Welcome to Monami Team's Digital Dollars Podcast. What's going on? Same old, man. Just busy, busy, bro. I hear you. Same. Yeah. How's everything going on your end, though? (sighs) About the same, busy as always, grinding, trying to get things done. Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to go over this with me. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. This is an important topic, I think. And I think it's something that I wish I would have known or somebody would have told me about a long yeah. time ago. Because it would have saved me probably, one, a lot of money. And two, yeah. a lot of headache. Yeah. And now I'm realizing I probably should have sent you this list of the little topics. I didn't even think about it till just now. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's totally cool. Yeah, because I'm, I'm coughing like crazy because I'm sick. So I got to edit all that out and all the ums oh, and ums. <laughs> But I gotta get that. on that. I gotta get on that Descript thing too, because that's way cool. It's so nice. It edits so well too. So let's say yeah. I want to take out one of my ums. It'll find all the the filler words like ums and ahs and all that yeah. stuff. It'll remove all of them, automatically snap it back, and edit the video for you so that it's seamless. Wow, wow. Yeah, that's a, a time saver. That's amazing. And you said that you can it, with the thirty minutes of recording, it mm-hmm. could you could just type in a script and it'll just say the words in your voice right once you you have to do a you talk to it for 30 minutes for half an hour and listen to your voice and learns your voice and then it creates a version of your voice for overdubs oh wow yeah and it also has this beta feature called eye contact so i look at my script all the time but with the eye contact feature it will automatically move my eyes back to the camera oh wow that's amazing (laughs) yeah it's crazy technology is on a whole nother level this is, this is what I was saying. I was I was responding to a, a post a while back on social media. And it had to do with hip hop music and how and I got a couple of friends of mine, a friend of mine that works in the music industry. And he was talking about how hip hop has the sales starting to drop like close to 40 percent. And, and one of the comments that was on this forum was like, yeah, people aren't interested in hip hop anymore. And I'm like, nah, that's not it, man. Like. The barrier of entry for any musician, hip hop included, because it's from the street. Like kids could just buy beat for like less than 500 bucks. I could buy an album's worth of music from somebody selling their music on YouTube, get on something like a Descript or whatever like that, or or, or an editing platform to, to create great sounding vocals, right? Throw that together on a file, load that on Spotify, and now mm-hmm. just put it out there and market it myself. Exactly, and, and get paid and for I the get, views. Get paid for the views. And then if my if it, that blows up, I could throw it up on something like a YouTube and get monetized for it there. I don't, exactly. I, no, I don't need a record label. <laughs> you don't need it anymore. Independent artists are taking over and the, the record labels are going to be looking for them now. Everything's changing. Yeah. Big Everything shit. Everything is changing. Everything is changing. There's a, they're in the film industry right now, they're thinking, I, I don't know if it happened yet or if it's happening, but they're looking to offer influencers SAG contracts. Because As they should. Yeah, because they <laughs> like big influencers making like hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars and whatnot that are literally producing content. So they're like, they're trying to find ways to tap into that and get that, of course, that money from them. But yeah, of course. But being in SAG means that that opens you up to a whole different level of production and there are film producers out here that are looking for influencers to actually be in their films so they can use that as marketing for their product it's just so much stuff man. Yeah, it's so many and the opportunities are endless imagine getting someone like jake paul who's always media 
yeah. and bring him into your family, giving him a side contract. You're yep. getting guaranteed income for at least the next five years. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. It's insane. It really is insane. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to look into, I've got downtime this evening, so I'm going to look into the Descript thing. Oh, I love it. It's replaced a lot of my stuff. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I stopped using like Vimeo Record. I stopped using a, a lot of different softwares. I barely use my Ableton now because the audio is so clean and the script that I don't need it. Yeah. So does Descript, you said, how much is the, how much is it monthly or is, is that one? I, of I think the, I'm paying $30 a month. Mm -hmm. Still less than Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might do that too. I'll take a look at it and I might actually switch over. It's nice. It's nice. You've seen it too. When I send the videos, you can either upload it automatically to YouTube. You can send the link or you can export it. Yeah. And then when I send you the link, you see all the text that's written on the left so people can read it along with you. And then it yeah. identifies which speaker is speaking, which is nice. Oh, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that, man. And the process of it just take, because one of the things I want to start doing is making a couple more videos, but for me to sit there and record, I just don't, it just takes too much time. If I can type out the script, like use ChatGPT, type mm -hmm. out what I want, throw it up in there, and then have them have that happen on, have the voice, whatever voice over. Yeah. yeah, of me doing it. That I would love to see how that kind of works. Cause it, oh, yeah. it, it definitely sound better. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll still sound a little bit robotic cause of course it's still in the beta phase. It's not perfect. Yeah. It yeah. works really well for overdubbing. So let's say that I wanted to say, hey, that gray shirt of yours is nice, but you're wearing a blue shirt. I yeah. go in and replace the word gray with blue and it'll be my voice. So ah. it, it cuts it out and makes it, it corrects your words for you. That's gotcha. what it's primarily used for. You could do it the other way, but it's yeah. going to have a little bit of robotic feel to it. Yeah. If you use it for speech correction, it's amazing. That's good. That's good to know. So I can go in, type it and it'll overdub my voice. So that's where that 30 minute thing comes in, right? Where right. I got the 30 minutes. Okay. That's even better. All right. Because it learns your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of great tools. Like oh, it man. takes out the ums, the ahs, and fixes eye contact and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I've been yeah. using it like crazy. It, it makes yeah. me want to do stuff more because I have the tools and they work so well. Yeah. I don't have to run through three different programs. I can just use yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, script, y'all hear it is right. Y'all need to go ahead and add us as a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to do that. I want to do that. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So what's on your mind? What, do you, what, what you got on the agenda for us? Oh, today we're going to talk about the infamous $5 client. That's what I call them, the $5 client. But yeah. you might better know them as the cheap client. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how you can identify them, how you can spot them, and how you can protect yourself and your company from yeah. dealing with these type of people and go over reasons of why they're so damn demanding, right? Yeah. <laughs> why is the $5 client so demanding? But before all that, I'd like you to introduce yourself so people know yeah. who you are and a little bit about your background. Ah, oh, great, man. Yeah, my name is Sean and I am a SAG stunt performer. I'm also a boxing instructor, entrepreneur, basically got my little fingers and toes in every different aspect of business. Been self-employed now for about 20 years. First started out in a, a personal trainer, decided that I was not really into the whole big box training aspect of things. And so I just decided to go out on my own. That grew into boxing and certifying personal trainers nationally by ISCA. Um, then from there, just grew into the film industry and just becoming an overall entrepreneur. Anything to, that can help me make money, grow and provide for my family, that's what I'm into. 
That's what's up. Uh, yeah, so man. you've been doing this for 20 years, so you definitely probably ran into your fair share of $5 clients. Oh, heck yeah. Heck <laughs> yes. Like the $5 client is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real. Can you give us a scenario? Yeah. So there's definitely the, the group of $5 uh, customer or client that really doesn't understand the level of uh, commitment that you have to your brand and your product and the level of service that you are providing for them. So to them, in their mind, they're really just thinking of this is the task I want to accomplish. You're looking at it from all the different things and aspects that you need to do in order to accomplish that task. And they just don't, it doesn't click. So it's almost like you have to, not even almost, you have to educate them uh, on the process that you're going to be going through in order to give them what they want. And if they're not ready for that level of commitment, then you either politely have to disassociate yourself from them and tell them they got to find somebody else or they're willing to commit to your process, right? Case in point, going into, again, as a personal trainer, we've got, had a client that wanted to gain muscle and be stronger for a competitive race that they were about to, to go to, but only gave me a month to do it. Wasn't going to happen. So I had to let them know that this is not enough time. Anything can be accomplished with time, enough time. It's just not enough time in the, it's not enough time for you to accomplish this one task. If you wish to get better at this race and get stronger, you would have to train with me four to five days a week over the course of a month. And this would be the program that would just get you ready, not even to get you at peak performance levels, but just get you ready to at least complete the race. The customer wanted to actually do it, just one, train one time a week and work <laughs> out on their own. And I was like, you could, but in the time frame that you're talking about, it's going to take you three months to just get to the level that you're talking about in the races in a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's completely up to you. Long story short, they decided not to do it. Went to the race, got injured, <laughs> came back to me after the, after the race. And it took me three months to rehab them, get them back to where they were before, and then start to get them to be in a stronger place. And they went from their understanding of training with me once a week to now training me again, three times. It was three times a week, three, three to four times a week. But I had made the, I helped them understand that if you had just taken the time, right, to do this in the beginning with me, this would not have happened. Now you're spending almost three times the amount <laughs> when we could have taken this out and you could have been in a better place to complete your race. No, it, it happens. Yeah, so it pretty much comes down to a mindset. <laughs> yeah, it's it's mindset. It, it, to me, it's really, the, the customer and client has an understanding of what they want. They're coming to you because they don't know how to do it. And it's, I believe it's our job to try to help them understand this is the process it's gonna take to accomplish what you want. If you want me to do the thing you want me to do, we can get you there in the time frame you're looking for, but this is the, these are the steps it's gonna take. This is how much it's going to cost. If you wanna go by your, if you wanna go by your own time frame and your cost, then fine. This is the time that it's gonna take, sometimes double the time, because you're choosing to spend less money. 
right? You're choosing to spend, you're choosing to, and, and I, I don't look at this in terms of money, even though it's a real variable within the business itself. I look at it more in terms of commitment. What are you willing to commit to accomplish your goal in the time frame that you're looking to accomplish it in, right? If you're saying, if I tell you it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to do this project in the time frame that you want, but you're pushing back on the fact that it costs as much, then you're not seeing the value in the, pro in the process that I'm providing. And I sometimes can't help with that, helping you understand that process. Sometimes you just gotta <laughs> say, look, then I'm not the person for you. And I think with entrepreneurs, that's one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with in the beginning. It's a numbers game, right? Because they have, they have less opportunities in front of them. They'll sometimes find ways to make allowances, putting more stress on their, on, on their efforts and their process mm -hmm. in order just to get those $5 clients, right? Right. I think that's a dangerous process because that puts you in a hole where now you're always looking to make those like allowances where if you just like the customer is vetting you, you're vetting the customer. You're trying to see if this customer is right for you and your fit. If this you want to help, that's what most of us are in business for besides some of the other things. But I love helping people. Right. But if you're not willing to listen to me, then you may not be the right client for me. And I've got to respectfully decline. Super. I, I can't say that I'm not guilty of it myself. When I first started off, I took on a bunch of really terrible projects that I knew was a bad idea and they ended up becoming just stress and nightmares and cost me more than what I made. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that it's okay to decline a client. It's okay to tell them, no, this isn't going to work or this is unrealistic yeah. or what you're asking for just isn't doable for the amount that you want to pay. I'm sorry. And you're so right. That comes with experience. I remember when I first started, I, I want to say I, I reduced my rate all the time. It was my common go-to whenever I faced a money objection. Whenever I faced a money objection, it was, okay, I'll reduce the rate to make you feel more comfortable. Meanwhile, I'm feeling horrible because I've just <laughs> valued my service and what I'm trying to accomplish. But just to have a client, I'm like, all right, I'll, I just, we've all done it. We put ourselves second in order to put the customer first. And I think that whole, the customer's always right thing, it has its place. But when you're a small business entrepreneur, it's a partnership. It's not the customer's always right. It's no, you, we've got to work together, right? right. I've got to feel just as comfortable doing this project as you are hiring me as a person to do the project for you. I don't feel comfortable. If I feel slighted, I can't give you my best work, right? If I feel like I'm undervalued and underpaid, I can't. It took me years to find, to figure that out. It took me years to understand how I was feeling so crummy doing the projects that I love, right? Years to figure that out. And, but once I did, it was game on. I was like, oh, it's because I'm not saying no. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. It's because I'm not saying no. Exactly. You have the power to say no and you have to embrace it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Saying no is probably the most powerful tool that you could use in business. And it's okay to say no. I tried this out. True story. Was with my girlfriend at the time. Went to Disney and hanging out at Disney Universal and all the other stuff. And uh, we're at one of the parks and there's this table set up for like timeshares and whatnot. 
So I was like, oh, cool, let's go check them out. Just wanted to see what they were about. The sign said, we'll give you $100. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I can get $100. I wonder what I can get $100 for. So the person signed us, they were signing us up, said, yeah, all you have to do is sit through the presentation and we'll give you $100. So going into it, in my mind, I'm like, I know I'm not buying a timeshare. I know I'm on vacation. I know I could do with the extra hundred bucks. That's like dinner for us. So I'm like, mm -hmm. it's great. How long is this going to take? What's this going to do? So I'm like, I'm going to get a hundred bucks. <laughs> so we go to the appointment. We sit down. And again, I've already got it in my head. I'm not buying. I know I'm not. <laughs> There's no way I want to buy a, a timeshare. I just want a hundred bucks. So we get there. They, they, it's a large operation in this hotel. They find a sales associate from our neighborhood, from where we were from. So we went to breakfast. He's talking to us about our neighborhood, right? I'm, and, and again, I'm sales driven in, in everything that I do. So I'm just watching how they're putting on this show, how they went and found someone that was from my neighborhood that I could relate to. That's the check mark right there. How he was friendly, impressionable, like just a great all around guy. So. Half, after breakfast, I'm not even listening. I'm not even thinking about the hundred bucks. I'm thinking about how cool this dude is. And and when they show <laughs> us the timeshare, I'm thinking about, oh man, this timeshare is really good. So by the time they brought us to the pit where the deals happen, I'm hearing, I walk in, I hear a bell or, or a gong. Ding, gong. I'm like, oh snap, there's a gong. What's this about? Like, yeah, that's a person that just signed up for a timeshare. You'll hear that throughout the day, throughout the morning, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. Again, I'm think I'm not no longer. I'm now went from thinking about getting a hundred bucks to going to this event, only wanting my hundred bucks, to now feeling comfortable with this person. And I'm and as I'm sitting there and he's going through the sales pitch, sales pitch, and he's throwing the numbers at me, I'm like, wow. If I was really just <laughs> really could have gotten me to buy a timeshare, mm -hmm. like I'm sitting there like, wow, all of this was put on to make me feel comfortable to drop my guard to really just buy a timeshare. I was looking at and the only snap me out of it is I looked over at my girl and she's yeah, and I'm like, cause she knows me, right? She's yo, I know you're falling for it, but don't do it. I'm like, you're right, you're right. And there's no words exchanged for how you know someone for like their looks and everything. She looked mm -hmm. like I know, I snapped out of it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> buying it. That's true partnership right there. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. So the guy walks away, gets a boss. The boss comes in. So it went from somebody that I know to somebody I don't know. He's trying to close me, right? And now mm -hmm. I'm feeling like this is more of a, of the sales pitch. So then they drop the numbers for the thing. I'm like, yep, sorry, I'm not doing it. So then he leaves and gets, the pit boss comes in and he's Mr. Aggressive. He's pretty much calling me a punk. Like I can't afford it. Like he's trying a different sales approach to see if he mm -hmm. can pull me into getting it. And I'm sitting there, now it's definitely no. <laughs> so long story short, literally I was there for four hours with this whole thing. Ended up, wasn't, probably wasn't even worth the hundred bucks, but it was four hours being there. They sent me to the basement of the hotel, like rickety elevator, dark flickering lights, <laughs> like, like literally a basement where there's like a desk and this grouchy like woman and whatnot. And it's just, the, all the glitz and glamour just disappeared, right? <laughs> now I'm in the pit. So I go up to the desk and I'm like, yeah, I'm here. They gave me this voucher for a hundred bucks. The last sales pitch was, would you like to take this hundred dollars and 
invest in it and go to Vegas on us. Stay there for five days in one of the rooms and it'll just cost you this hundred bucks. And I was like, no, <laughs> give me <laughs> hard hundred dollars. Right, hard no, give me hundred dollars. What I learned from that whole experience, right, was basically that vetting the client and the customer is super important. For them, it was a numbers game. They just wanted to get as many people as possible. They mm -hmm. wanted to get as many people in that environment as possible. They had the sales process down where they could break you down, break down your emotions and everything to get you to buy. And I, I would say the majority of those people that purchased didn't understand the full terms of their investment. And so they were just either bullied into it or, or in some way just, just not really fully aware of what they were purchasing. Cause that's the feel I got when I left. I'm like, if you're not smart enough or just smart enough is a strong term, but if you just don't know enough, you can easily get taken advantage of in, mm -hmm. in situations like that, right? The whole moral of this thing was what I learned was I did not want to be that business person. I didn't want to be that entrepreneur that would cost, that would use tactics to bully people into getting what I wanted, which is the sale. So with small entrepreneurs, it really does matter that you have, that there's some level of an intimate understanding of what each people, each of you offer so that you can give your best and they can, they understand that they're not being con jerked or whatever. And so for us, the small business entrepreneur, the sales process is very different than the like large big box process. So from that, I learned like there are plenty of $5 clients that are out there. Some of them are $5 clients for a reason. They just feel that they can't afford it. And it doesn't help you or your cause or your business trying to convince those $5 clients to jump in to your business and pay something that they don't feel comfortable paying. Sometimes the vetting process of just saying, hey, look, if you can't afford it, I understand. This is the service that you can afford. It's just gonna take us longer. If you wish to do that, then that's cool. Oh yeah. If not, I understand. Best of luck to you. I may even have a recommendation for you to go do something that's self-taught and do that. Yep. And then come back to you <laughs> once you have the money and you can make the commitment. I think running your business in that ethical way is way more important for a small business individual than just trying to constantly trying to grind to get those sales. Yeah, transparency. Transparency is key. I spoke about that in um, the previous episode where being transparent with your clients is just going to make your business run smoother and make things easier for you and your client. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man, 100%. Just to piggyback off of that, I think being as transparent up front, like I'm, I'm in the, again, I'm in the entertainment industry, I'm in the gym business, and I've been in the, I've been as high up as the regional director of, of, of fitness for a couple of big box gyms. So I've seen how the secret sauce is made. I've seen how they look at individuals as just numbers and dollars and cents and how their sales process is built for that. It's not built, it, they try to convince you that they care, but they don't. It's really just built around the masses, getting as many people in as possible to utilize their service as possible, get as money, much money out of them as possible. And so they, there's a lot of, there's a lack of transparency in the fitness industry when it comes to that stuff. Like you're signing a contract and they're right. taking money out. You, for example, some gyms will have you sign an annual contract, annual agreement, and they'll say it, the, they'll they say there's an annual fee that you need to pay at the, for being a member. 
like a, it's an, it's not an increase. It's more just an, an annual whatever fee. It's really BS. It's their way of getting hard cold cash, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what gyms have started doing is they don't even wait. Some gyms don't even wait the full year for your membership to lapse before they charge you the annual membership. Mm-hmm. They'll charge it to you actually after the first month. So you're paying your initiation fee, your enrollment fee, your gym monthly membership fee. And then a month later, on top of your monthly dues, you could get a bill for an annual fee, but you're only two months into your membership. How am I getting, how am I paying an annual fee? <laughs> when yeah, I'm I've dealt with that. I can't say right. gym because of that. <laughs> yeah. And instead, you guys are just really just trying to milk and get money. And But those terms are never fully expressed at the beginning when you're signing a membership, right? Because if someone was told, hey, look, a month from now, we're gonna take this monthly fee from you. It's gonna happen. Well, hope you feel comfortable with it within the two months. This is an incentive for you to, but whatever they say, mm-hmm. they'd have a lot less cancels. But like yourself and like me that's gone through it as well, I was like, dude, you didn't even explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Cancel my membership. <laughs> right away cancel I'm done. Yeah. I don't like yeah. that <laughs> yeah and, and then on top of that when you say cancel my membership like, oh, okay there's a 30 day cancel so now they're getting so now you just cancel your membership they've taken your annual membership their annual fee and they're charging you an additional month on top of that and, and that's why when I got into this business of fitness and health I'm like I don't want to have my clients feel that way it, it's just unethical in my standpoint right it From is funny you touched on that i had a i'm gonna say who they are because you can see my review in the yeah. georgia for them yeah. i have a very long and lengthy view on how they refused to let me cancel and the membership was only supposed to be like 50 bucks a month for me and my son but they yeah. had taken like 400 something dollars and they wouldn't stop charging my account and it was ridiculous yeah. so after i made a complaint on google and i also called the corporate office and i started going through their terms and conditions and started yeah. highlighting stuff and putting it in there and asking other people to leave negative reviews it took all of that to get them to give me my money back and cancel my account. Yes. <laughs> I had to get super That's, aggressive with them. You and I are, are like, we're a handful of people that understand terms and conditions and, and the language of corporate, right? Corporate doesn't want to have to deal with it. From the service level and the management level at the gym, they don't want to have to cancel the membership, even though they have the power to. Mm-hmm. But, so all this stuff has to be brought to the attention of corporate in order for real change to happen. You and I know how to tackle that and how to get involved and how to get in front of corporate, right? Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's because if management at the ground level took you seriously from the jump, it wouldn't have been a problem. They could easily just type a few things in, send that done. over, and it's done. If they need to get a district manager involved, they just explain the process to the district manager. And the district manager would then be like, yeah, it's done. That's it. If it's not district- that complicated. If the district manager doesn't listen, then you would escalate it, right? But somebody's going to listen. And unfortunately, you have to go through that whole hard drawn out process of just getting what you deserve back. And that's the unethical piece to business, especially in the gym industry. Mm-hmm. Right? Speaking about what I know, it's just super unethical. They just want to pack as many people in their gym as possible, take as much money as possible. Actually, they don't even want to pack the gym, to be honest with you. it's They make more money from people who don't show up or show up one to two times a month, which is mm-hmm. the average gym goer. They, they go for one to two times a month. Don't achieve their goals. Don't hit anything that they're looking, that they're trying to accomplish health-wise. And they take your money every single month. 
it's, it's, it's crazy. True, my wife does. Um, I'm gonna call her out. <laughs> she's <got> her plan <laughs> of fitness, and she's been there like three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and so think about that, right? So even when you think <laughs> of Planet Fitness, it's they have thousands upon thousands of members that pay and don't go because it's so cheap mm-hmm. <laughs> that the person doesn't even miss the twenty dollars coming out of their account. You you really don't. You'd be like, oh, right. let me handle that later. And then another month goes by and you're like, oh, let me handle yeah. that later. And then it's yeah. endless. Like you literally spend, you could probably spend $20 for lunch. Exactly. Right? <laughs> you don't care about $20. You're like, okay. Right. So nobody can. And that's the perfect storm for businesses like that. They don't really care. The, 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 the customer doesn't care that $20 is being taken out. But if you take a look at, how, if you have thousands of people that don't care, that's millions of dollars in the pocket of these big boxes. And you go to a gym to exercise, feel good, feel right. But if you go once a month. <laughs> go jog around the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That is it, bro. That is it. Yeah, that's good. That kind of brings me into um, my, my next topic here. And we're talking about the terms and conditions. Yeah. One of the ways to avoid these cheaper clients or people who can't afford your services for what you actually worth is creating a service agreement. I didn't start doing this until years after I started doing my projects. I just brought clients on, told them what I was going to do and didn't really detail out exactly what the expectations were and everything that I would and would not do. And that's one of the biggest problems, especially for newbie entrepreneurs. You never even think about contracts or the word contract scares you. So you change the terminology from contract to service agreement because what you're literally doing is you're providing a service and you have an agreement on what's going to be done. So one of the things that kind of helped me over the last couple of years avoid these unfortunate situations was creating service agreements, having the customer review the agreement and then sign the agreement. And then I would sign it also and keep it on record. If they asked for something that was outside of that agreement, okay, I can do that, but it's going to be an additional charge. And this is my hourly rate. You see my hourly rate because it's laid out in the agreement. So for all of you newbie entrepreneurs who are going through this headache of dealing with clients who are asking for a lot and not paying you enough, start writing out service agreements, start finding templates, start looking for help, spend the extra 50 bucks, get yourself an attorney on Fiverr and have them make you a template for your service agreements. It's yes. a well worthwhile investment. 100%. Um, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. The service agreement process is something that uh, I think new entrepreneurs can tackle early in the vetting process, right? Yes. Part of what I do is I have a, a checklist list, like an assessment form, right? When I'm having a discussion with a new client, I'm asking them what they want to accomplish, what their goals are, what their needs are, what their time frame is, do they have any outstanding issues, like all of that stuff, right? Is within that sort of pre, like that vetting check checklist, pre-agreement checklist. And then what I do from there is once I've gotten all of that information and answers, and I've given them an understanding of what we're going to accomplish, I just literally take that checklist and that, that assessment, transfer it over to the agreement, and these are all of the things. And then before they sign it, I'm like, these are all of the things we discussed. These are all of the things that we're going to get. This is what is going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You sign, I sign, we're good to go. That's it. That's <laughs> you it. Know what I mean? And part of the vetting process is understanding that you are setting up 
the contractual agreement stage or the agreement to be signed later, you're, you're basically setting all of that up within the first few minutes of this of the conversation. Super. That's, yeah, Thank yeah, you. it's super easy. It is. There's another thing too with technology being what it is to really lock that in place and make sure that you can't. Here's the other reason too for service agreements, right? For my specific niche, I do web development, right? I do a lot of entrepreneur stuff and online things. Sometimes you'll have these clients where they'll you'll they'll pay you three thousand or five thousand dollars. You'll finish the whole project, and then yeah. they'll call the bank and say, "Hey, I don't know what this charge is." Yeah, <laughs> and then all your money disappears. Yeah. So this has happened to me once before, but thankfully I did have. I do things a little bit different when I work with my clients before yeah. I even start a project. I do a two hour presentation on everything that we're going to be covering. And I go over the name of the project, the client's name, all the information in the video. And then I use things like notarize.com to have my clients notarize a document saying that they agreed to these services. So when yeah. I had this client try to take back $5,000 after I completed the project, I just sent the video and the notarized document over to Stripe. And then they canceled their request and the money went back in my account. Exactly. So, <laughs> this exactly. is the other reason why it's so important to have these agreements. Yes. And that's called a, that's called a, a dispute, right? From a customer standpoint, if a customer pays with a credit card stripe or any other means, they can go to their bank account. They can go to their bank. They can go to their, their creditor and say, Hey, this is a fraudulent charge. I dispute this charge mm -hmm. it, it, because I am the customer. Various institutions take different steps. Some institutions will say, if you're disputing this, did you contact? Usually they'll say, they'll ask if you contacted the vendor first before we take these steps. Mm -hmm. The customer generally will say yes or no, depending on what it, what it is. Most of the time they'll say, no, I didn't, whatever it is. But they'll ask if they contacted the vendor. With American Express, they're very good. If somebody pays with American Express, they'll pretty much just they'll fight for you as a customer but if a customer is trying to pull one over on the vendor they'll lie try to make something mm -hmm. up <laughs> and and then the institution would go to the vendor and initiate a callback or pullback where they're basically just taking them when in terms of strike it happens like that like they'll take the money and yeah. say yeah yeah <laughs> oh you got a problem no worries here you go that's one of the downsides to stripe yeah. if it was any other credit card company but stripe is yeah, they, they have their strengths they have the weaknesses but yeah stripe paypal's another one they'll just mm -hmm. say oh really bang and now you as the vendor have to prove that this is what the customer paid for this is what they so taking the additional steps of going to notarize.com is amazing that's something that i think Absolutely. i'm well because it's just another layer of security for the vendor and it proves that you did nothing fraudulent your business is, is sound and that you're doing nothing wrong with the financial institution that you're using if they get enough of these they're going to understand that you're already on point right exactly and they recognize me now <laughs> and they recognize you as a valid business that's not doing anything wrong because you have all of your things in play you have all of your things in order so they don't even look they'll take those accusations or disputes as mm -hmm. he's got it under control so it will never be an issue after that exactly so that's just one of the things that that i think at the end of the day really does help out so yeah I, i'm actually going to check them out too and see yeah it's a good resource it's only 20 bucks so it's yeah. well worth it oh yeah like 20 bucks a month no, like each time you need to notarize documents, like 20 or 30 bucks, you can actually oh, okay. prepay for your client's notarization. 
so wow. all they have to do is look at the form do their online notarization with the, the person who notarizes and then sign yeah. it so it's wow. easier because they don't need to submit a payment because you've already prepaid oh wow that's amazing that's <laughs> yeah. amazing it saves you a lot of time yeah yeah i like that i like that a lot i'm gonna actually take a look at that because that actually adds to another layer so uh, the other thing that we use is docusign and docusign's a good one it's like that because again it's it, it's great to just have a third party have that documentation ready and set up for you. And then you could just pull that as your resource back to, to, to verify or validate any disputes. Absolutely. It's, it's worth it. If you're starting, because a lot of you guys are going to be starting out, it'll be your first time, you're lost and you're just figuring out. To prevent a lot of headaches in the beginning, create service agreements and it will It'll go into this next step is what we call pre-qualifying clients. One, it'll pre-qualify your clients. Two, it'll set realistic expectations. And three, it provides a layer of security. Yep, exactly. 100%. Couldn't say that better myself. It's absolutely needed. Super. It's lessons learned. <laughs> lessons learned, man, over time. Exactly. I think that's exactly what we're doing this for, right? To, to help new entrepreneurs with the skills and resources they need so they don't have to make the same mistakes. Absolutely. This one thing, if I would have just actually had an in-depth conversation with somebody, a mentor about service agreements, it yeah. would have saved me a lot of time and saved me a lot of money. The worst situation I ever got myself into, I was working with a client abroad. It was a restaurant owner. He didn't have money to start the project, but he was going to offer me 30% of all online sales and earnings, right? So I started the project for free. I worked with this guy for nine months, but he ended up not giving me anything, hiding all of his money. So that way he wouldn't have to pay me. Yeah. And it was just a real big nightmare. And after I stopped all of his stuff and I closed all, all of his online things down, I shut down the online shops. I shut down the website because he didn't pay me for it. Yeah. I shut down everything. Then he started threatening me every time I walked by in public. Yeah. <laughs> it got really, really bad. He's just one of those types of people. Yeah, yeah. And I should have, like, yeah, I should have done a better service agreement. I didn't have one in place, just a yeah. word of mouth. Because one, this young man, he was in his, his like late 40s, early 50s, still a young man. He had yeah, a good location, high traffic area, a lot of opportunity, but he didn't understand how anything worked in the internet world. It just wasn't his world. He was still yeah. using a flip phone. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to help him out, one. Yeah. And then two, of course, expand my business while helping out this person reach a new level. But yeah. sometimes people take advantage. He's he's the reason where I came up with the term $5 client. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after we had a conversation, he kept being real hostile with me. I was like, you know what, sir? It's okay. You don't have to pay me anything. I can recognize a $5 client when I see one. Yeah. I was like, this will be the end of our business together. I wish you good luck and hopefully you do better in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, it's a real challenge, man, to once you've found a person that's, that wants to utilize your service, it really is a challenge uh, or it can be a challenge to get that person to understand the level of commitment and process you have to go through to build out their job. It's right? a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of brain power. It's a lot of learning. It's a, you're, you're being paid for the skill sets that you've acquired over like years and, and, and like a decade or so. And that knowledge that you're putting to work, it's valuable, right? Especially if it's a skill set that that person doesn't own and you're trying to bring your skill sets to that individual so that they can grow and earn more and do the things that they need to do for their business. Oh, it's super. tough. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. But, but having, I think, all of those things in place, like the agreement, 
vetting and understanding the person that you're getting into a relationship with because this is a relationship right regardless of what it is it's still a relationship and knowing the person you'd be in a relationship with it's key it really is is key and i think coming from a place of running your business from a place of strength not a place of um of necessity even though we all need business right but but running your business from a place of strength those great habits that you form early will help you on throughout your journey as an entrepreneur. It, it just has to be, you have to run your, your business from a place of strength first. You do. And you can't be afraid to say no. On that one, yeah. from the moment I met him, I knew I should have said no, but yeah. I didn't listen to myself because I was excited to get the client. Yeah. And I was excited the opportunity to have residual income off of the earnings. Yeah. And yeah. instead, I ended up losing about $9,000 between time, assets, things that I purchased, things I did to complete the projects, and then my hourly rate that was wasted dealing yeah. with this guy who was never going to pay me when I could have right. just taken on another project. That's the other key part to it, man. It's like it, <laughs> all the things you got to go through as an entrepreneur to just get a project completed. <laughs> it's is, a beast. It is. It is. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot, man. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> the resources alone the the research that goes into the projects each project is unique even though the process may be similar or the same to complete the project each project is unique right you got for in on your regard you got to do a lot of background and research and a lot of a lot of understanding of what the niche is and what the market is and all the rest of it it's a lot it is a lot mm-hmm. that's true for people who are in the same niche as me for those of you who know me you've seen my invoices my very first step is called research then development and yeah. I charge a fee of about $800 for the research phase of my projects because it takes a lot to figure out logos, color schemes, yeah. how big is your so- social media accounts? Do you have a social presence? Making yeah. sure all your URLs match, making sure all your usernames are linked up, seeing if your business is registered properly, see if you're under LLC or S Corp. There's a, see if you even register with the SBA, depending on your area, yeah. uh, making sure your team, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into what I do. So before I even start anything, my very first step, which usually takes about 30 days, is research, then development. And I give the clients a task list of things to accomplish before we can move forward. And if they don't finish that task list, we don't move forward. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I think that's the piece that a lot of the entrepreneurs need to understand. There's a whole layer of background research and things that needs to get done before you can even start the project. It is, and that affects your timeline. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. Having that process in play is huge. It's really big. Really big. Yeah, I learned that the hard way too. Before I was like, I can do your project in 30 days. And then yeah. when I realized that there was so much information I needed to gather, I was like, it's going to take 30 days just to get all this lined up and organized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then that puts delays. And then that, that I call it the emotional bank account, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, emotional bank account where a customer or client as that they trust you, they've invested time and effort in, into you and they've deposited their emotional resources into you as a business owner. So they've made a deposit into the emotional bank account. And then every time there's a delay or there's a something that doesn't go right from the business end, you're making small deductions from that emotional bank account, right? Mm-hmm. And there's only but so much that a customer or client would tolerate before you depleted that emotional bank account. And now you're in the negative. So now you're trying exactly. to take that. 
now you're asking for a second chance. Now you're asking for a third chance. Now you're asking for, mm-hmm. now you're asking to give, and they're like, no, I'll just no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's really important that if you start off on the right foot, that you keep it there with your clients. Absolutely. And all that starts with that very first step, the research yeah. part. <laughs> That's it, man. Get the research, get the information. And the other thing too, understanding that your clients are never going to move as fast as you can. Yes. They're always going to be your biggest delay. Exactly. But, when things get delayed, they're always going to blame you. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. There's very few clients that would be like, oh, man, this is completely my fault. I understand why this is happening. Like, oh, good luck. No. I don't have to pull out the agreement again. No, I asked for this on this date. You gave it to me 10 days later. This is why we're 20 days behind. <laughs> mm, that's so. another good point. The last one that I totally forgot about that is really important that helped me a lot, too. Yeah. Get yourself a CRM, a customer relations management system. You can put the task list in there and then you can literally assign it. They'll get the push notifications and then the reminder. So if they're behind on something and they keep getting that ding, now it's verifying that it's their fault. Yes. It's yeah. letting them say, oh, snap, I didn't get this to them. Oh, snap, I didn't get this to them. Oh, it's been eight days. You've been asking me for this. Yeah. And then you send yeah. those little messages inside the CRM saying, hey, I can't move forward till you get this to me. Yeah. It just protects you again. Hey, why are we 16 days behind? It took you 10 days to give me the follow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, right. I sent you a reminder every day for the last 14 yeah. days. And and that, it, there are a lot of difficult conversations that as entrepreneurs, we have to have with clients, right? And I think not uh, having ways to deal with those difficult conversations is clutch. It's really important. Um, having documentation to bolster your conversation eliminates the the sting of blaming someone even though it's their fault just simply saying yeah man we're, we're a couple of days behind because i sent this notification out and i was just i was i sent you a couple of notifications to try to get this content to me if you send it to me now i'll get it done in the next 10 days but i really need that content it, that subtly is already letting them know oh man mm-hmm. you didn't send it out to me didn't you oh yep, man very I, tactfully. I it, it tact is one of the most underrated skills that I think an entrepreneur needs to to master and learn to help navigate those difficult conversations, right? So yeah, the push notifications is huge. The CRM is is huge. Absolutely, positively one of those tools that you can lean on to make sure that those conversations and, and keeping your customer on a specific time time frame, that's valuable. Definitely. Absolutely. It's good for your customers, also for yourself and your team too, because it keeps yeah. everyone on the same page. That keeps everybody it's, on the same page. It's communicating without communicating. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. It's a, we, I, we call it a, I call it a soft skill, right? It's just basically, here it is. You see it. <laughs> now let's go. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So another little bonus for you guys. It took me five years to figure that out. <laughs> yes, yes. And then from the big box perspective, all big boxes, they have a CRM-like function, right? Whether it's Salesforce or whatever POS system that they use. I, I think one of the things that is really important for small entrepreneurs is to understand the global landscape, but think locally. Right. It's like a different twist on on the whole think locally, act globally concept. Right. Basically, understanding how big box gyms do things right to feed the masses, because the reality is no matter what niche you're in, you can find a big box company 
that is literally attracting the same clientele you wish to attract, right? Absolutely. So if you can take what they do on a global scale and take their process and narrow it down or bring it down to a local scale where you're doing your local business, you'll see how effective and how efficient you could be. A CRM is one of those tools that I think would definitely help with the management process of your business, right? The tasks, all the things that need to get done. And once you get yourself a team, then pushing those tasks out to your team. The CRM is absolutely clutch. Yeah, it's essential. It really is. Yeah. yeah, something that I wish I had in the beginning because it would have saved me a lot moving forward. I have one now, thank thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a big step that I missed. Yeah, yeah. Good, <laughs> good call on that one. Good call. Oh, yeah. I think one of the last things I can touch on, especially when you're we're dealing on this topic of the $5 or the cheap client, yeah. is look out and reach out to find a mentor. <clears throat> Nobody in this world has ever become truly successful on their own. If they tell you that they did, they're lying to you in some way, shape or form, because it is almost impossible to do what we do as entrepreneurs 100% by yourself. Yeah. You need to reach out to someone who's either like-minded or reach out to someone who is a mentor in some shape, form, or way, because yeah. that's going to help you elevate. It's going to help you prevent from making a lot of these beginning mistakes because you can have someone say, hey, can you look at this and tell me if this makes sense? Is this a good idea or how can I fix this and make it better? Teach me yeah. your process. A lot of these companies, even some of these big companies, if you live, like you said, somewhere locally and there's a store who does something really well and there's a guy who's been in business for 30 years. If you walk up to that guy and say, hey, I would like your opinion about something. I know you don't have a lot of time that you're a busy person, but I would really like some feedback from you on this. More than likely, they'll just be happy to talk to you because you're actually doing something that most people don't do. You're taking that step. You're crossing that line and you're approaching them with a business mindset. And business owners like that kind of drive and fire because unfortunately, we don't see that too often nowadays. So in I short... Yeah, reach out and find a mentor. You can find one, they're out there, but find a mentor when you start this journey. I, I agree with you 100%. And, and I'll, I'll lay into a little bit of my experience when it comes to that. Being a regional director, one of the things that I had at my disposal was a team of people that was like-minded and we bounced ideas off of each other and we made each other stronger. We were mentoring each other right colleagues that had the same drive and that we were going in the same direction when you're a solopreneur and you don't have that support system it can hinder your progress right so you're 100 right connect with someone one one of the things i i do to this day i it's funny because having this conversation with you right now has helped me realize that i still do it to this day i frequent businesses and learn the manager's name, learn the, the owner's name, and have just really solid con conversations with the teams that are at these businesses. Into a, a, a story, there was a, there's a brand new Mexican restaurant that's opened up not too far from where I live. And so went there to grab some food. The owner was there. They're learning the POS system for the first time. They made a mistake. I know what it's like to make mistakes. It's, and, and so I was like, listen, you made a mistake. I think you charged me too much for this. They said, yeah, I'm so sorry we did this. I'm like, okay, no worries about it. They gave me the money back to my card, not a problem. Went back again. This time it was a different person. It was the owner himself who's still trying to learn the system. Got to learn his name. Really cool guy. 
placed the order, made this another mistake. It charged me too much for something that I didn't want. Instead of me, listen, this is the second time you made the mistake or whatever. Hey man, don't worry about it. I can take the, I can take the piece. He wanted to take the purchase back. I was like, what is it that you charged? What, what? They gave me a, an extra dish that I didn't want. Hmm. It was asada fries. Now, if you ever heard of asada fries, bro. These are like French fries with grilled steak on it and all kinds of good stuff. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> so long story short, he gave me that dish. I said I, I, I said I didn't order that. And he explained what it was. He was about to take it off. I was like, don't worry about it. Let me, I'll take it. Not a problem. I'll try it. I'll give it to my family. They'll eat it. We brought it home. It was delicious. Everybody had some. That was it. Went back again to the store to order food. I go there like a couple of times a month. Went back again. The owner was there. He gave me my entire meal for free because of, he knew my first name. He knew who I was. I walked in the door. He was like, Sean, how you doing? I was like, yeah, I'm cool. I'm good. He was like, walked in the door, all this other stuff, right? And I sat down and he, he, I ordered my food. He sat down with me. We had a conversation. He said, this is for you. This is because we understand we made a few mistakes and we're just really appreciative that you had the patience and, and, and understood that we're learning our system and everything like that. Started to talk to him about what he does and how he started his business. Long story short, I told him what I did. We connected. I'm going to be training him soon. <laughs> and this was just because, right? We, we started a business. I had the conversation. There was some mistakes. I didn't make a big deal out of it. He reciprocated. We started talking. And that's how I got that client. Mm -hmm. um, building relationships. Building relationships, right? Fast forward, I have a buddy of mine who is looking <clears throat> to open up a restaurant. And he has no idea. He wants to open up a restaurant, has an idea what he wants to do, has his parents like old school Spanish recipes and stuff like that he wants to do stuff with. I walked into the store and I said, hey, I've got a buddy of mine that is interested in opening up a restaurant, has no clue how to do it. I know you opened this restaurant in this great neighborhood. You must have gone through a lot of stuff. Is there any way I can connect us on a call or something and you could just spend a couple of minutes to just talk to him? He was super okay with it. Super appreciative, super like happy to do it to help someone else out that wanted to get involved in something. He said, and if it's good, I might even invest in and become. So it's basically, that's the process. And it all started because I went in there just to enjoy a meal, didn't make a big deal of, about mistakes, but then connected these people to do stuff. And, and yeah, you absolutely need mentors, but you can find mentors, not just for yourself, but for other people and connect those people with each other in so many different ways um it just takes the effort of just being putting yourself out there saying hi and just getting to know people absolutely the networking part of it exactly and and now that social media and and everything else is out there and technology is there's so many different ways where you can have mentorships with people and find those mentorships online i know that between you and i dude you've helped me tremendously <laughs> like Whenever I need, whenever I'm stuck on something and I'm like, damn, yeah, man, I wonder how I could get this done. I know I can just go to you and be like, hey, bro, is there a way that this could get done on <laughs> the technology? And like within minutes, you'd be like, yeah, bro, just check this out. I'm like, my man. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I spend so much time reading this stuff all day. <laughs> yeah, and so this is my point. It's, you're such a great resource for this stuff. It's just 
unbelievable. So you have taught me in so many different ways, like how, and the funny thing is, once you've given me something, I too go down that rabbit hole of trying to know more, trying to find comparison, mm -hmm. what works. What so then my knowledge base expands. And that's just from off the, just the simple conversations that we have. So dude, like you have given me plenty of, of information and I've grown a lot just learning from the processes that you've gone through. I think people need that. They need an, they need a mentor, a colleague, someone to bounce ideas off of, someone that they trust that they can say, yo, this is what this is, what do you think? And, and a lot of that would have to do with taking your ego out of it too and understanding and trusting this person to tell you that this is working and it's not. And, so and be willing to listen to, to it. They gotta listen. Yeah. <laughs> gotta listen. What's the point of having a mentor or somebody you trust to tell you what's going on? If you're just this not if you're not gonna listen, you're just gonna do it anyway. All right. Like, you just gotta listen. Gotta it happens listen. every now and then, but man, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You have to yeah. you gotta listen to your mentor. You gotta take yeah. it with a grain of salt. Don't get offended. Yeah. Just it's keep like, going. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You gotta take it with you gotta understand that the mentor e relationship, the colleague that's there to help you, they're there to help you. <laughs> now you can process the information in any way that is given is something that you may even be ready to receive right now or that you're ready to act on right now. But listen, <laughs> that's it. Listen. It does, it helps. I guess I gotta work on my mentoring skills a bit. My wife and son tell me I'm too direct. <laughs> too sharp so, talking, but. <laughs> so let me <laughs> let, let that's good. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, so the communication style varies, and it's I'm not gonna say it's not for everybody, but me myself, I appreciate the direct approach to being told whether it's because I'm an action oriented person. So I'm like, I need to know the thing is if we talk about ego right i automatically mm -hmm. take my emotions out of what i'm out of the information i'm receiving so it doesn't hurt to mm -hmm. me it's just data and information that needs to be processed and i need to understand it for what it is without the emotional piece to it that's difficult because not everybody responds and reacts that way and so, yeah i think from let's take your wife and your, your son as, as an example <laughs> that they're, they're letting you know that you could potentially help more if there was a different approach, right? Yeah, I'm not saying that you have to be, yeah, <laughs> I know, bro. Trust me, I know. It's not that you have to be all things to all people, mm -hmm. but you could definitely probably help a few more people if there was a different approach. And I learned sure. that from like making a few mistakes as well, like just trying to find different approaches. But then the other part of that is you're always a little bit more abrasive with the people that are closest to you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm sorry. I know I came in for those of you who don't know me, you can probably see if you look behind me, but I joined the military at the end of the BDU era when the army was still the army. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then I retired as a staff sergeant. So I still have a lot of that. Like I bleed army blood. That's just me. So yeah. I still have that old school military army staff sergeant, cavalry soldier mentality. I'm direct yeah. straight to the point. I give you factual information, non-opinionated. And then what you do with it is on you. That's just yeah. how I've been. Because yeah. there's no confusion that way. I tell you yeah. exactly what you need to hear. I don't leave anything to maybe's ums or o's. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. My son hates it. My wife hates it. But 
they always get the job done after I give them the information. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. The feelings get hurt a little bit sometimes, but they do well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I think that is the part when it comes to helping family members. It's just there's always that dynamic that at the end of the day, they turning off you as husband and dad and mm -hmm. seeing you as business owner, the boss helping you out. It's a very different switch to flip off with anybody, with all of us. It's, it's different. I've been in situations where I've given family members advice. They hated my transition in the way that I've said it, but yet they'll listen to somebody that just gave them the same advice. That's a total stranger. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, this person said this to me. I'm like, yeah, I said that to you two weeks ago. Why you didn't do it? Oh, but because it came from no, you. I said just, that told you the same exact thing two weeks ago. Why uh -huh. didn't you do it two weeks ago? Why you wait until two weeks now for somebody that doesn't have your best interest at heart to listen? Right? Because it's different coming from. I do it. My wife does all the time. I'll tell her something. And she'll be like, yeah, whatever. And then somebody will walk up to her and say the same thing. She's like, hey, this is a good idea. And I just look at yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Look, I just said this to you though. Damn. So I get it. Like, yeah. take salt. And then uh, sometimes I have one situation I'm dealing with right now. Currently, I have a client who kept jumping around with what they want to do with their online business, their remote business. Yeah. And then they decided they wanted to start a new project that was unrelated from the previous two things that we did. And they, yeah. they just wanted to try something. Yeah. They ended up making this video for what they were working on. They sent it to me asking to give it feedback. And I said, I honestly don't have anything good to say about this it's totally unusable you missed all the basics and everything and just clipped together something really fast yeah she's i don't think it's completely unusable she's i tried and i was like i get it it's, it's good that you tried you made an effort to do something but just because you did it doesn't mean that you put effort into it you just did it and yeah. i would there's i'm not gonna lie to you because that's just not me you yeah. asked my opinion i was like what you presented to me is not usable and you should start from scratch and take some time and learn the basics. You can't just start a new business without learning the basics. Yeah. And since then, it's been ghost radio silence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that fast forward to like when we first met and I was putting videos together, you and I had that conversation. You was like, dude, the lighting's horrible. The sound is horrible. I was sitting there. I wasn't sitting there. Oh man, damn, he ain't like it. I was like, bet I got to change the sound <laughs> and the lighting. <laughs> yeah. It's gotten so much better. <laughs> But that was because I was there ready and able to receive the information that you gave me. And I was like, yo, dude, he knows what he's talking about. If the, if the audio sounds horrible and the lighting's horrible, I gotta go back to the drawing board and get, and because of you, I got better lighting. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I, got, I can see you I got, now. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can see now. I can't, I got stuff in the way. I got stuff in the way of my mic and whatnot, but I got a better mic right now. Right. I, can, I, got, I can pull it over and whatnot and get a better mic going. So, oh yeah. Dude, I remember I, our first call, I was like, yeah, he's there. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yo, I can't see you, bro. Like, you know, I got better lighting systems in here yeah, now. That's I, nice. I, yeah, like, I, all this stuff has changed, right? Yeah, and the audio, awesome. man, is so clean now. It's a big improvement. Yeah. If I can show yeah. you that first video to, <laughs> to now, it's good exactly. to look back on. <laughs> exactly. And that's just because of taking the emotional, taking how it was delivered. Again, this is just me. I wasn't really concerned how it was delivered. I was just, what were the bullet points? What I need to fix? Okay, bet. So I got to fix that. Once I fixed it, everything was golden from there. And I think that part is the is having like-minded clients that are ready to receive stuff and understanding the process. It's, yeah, but going back to the mentorship thing, like, you got to listen to your mentor. You got to listen to the person that's trying to help you. 
Oh yeah, because um, they're they have your best interest in mind. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're now definitely selecting a mentor that has the qualities that you're looking for is a task in itself. But once you've made that decision, then you've got to now it's a matter of respect and trust. Once Absolutely. you have those things and you do what they're asking you to do, and it may take some time because you may need to figure it out, but just do it. You'll be a whole in a different place. Another tidbit too, which I think is very important, and it goes back to transparency. Sometimes I have people who ask me questions or look for advice. And then if I don't know, I literally tell them, say, hey, I do not know, but yeah. here's some resources and here's some information where you can find the answers. I'll look into it for you, but I'm not going to tell you yes, just to give you an answer. Right. I don't have the answer for you right now. And right. I think if you end up becoming in that mentor role, you have to be able to drop your ego and sometimes admit when you don't know something. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. You got to be able to, and again, it goes back, back to that whole the powerful way, the powerful word, no. No meaning no, I can't. And no meaning I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a powerful word, right? You can say no to something. And you can be like, no, I don't know, but I can figure it out. Absolutely. Because again, you not knowing doesn't mean that you can't figure it out. It means that you can offer that individual help to figure it out. And within that process and journey, you'll start to understand and know things as well. Absolutely. Right? So if that ever came up again, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do know about this. And you keep it moving. Mm -hmm. I touched very, on this uh, a bit in the previous episode, too, where it's OK to tell a client no. Right. Yeah. It's way better than saying, yes, I can do this. I can do it. And then yeah. when it comes down to it, you don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Nah, mm. nah. Nobody yeah. likes that. People don't mind if you say, no, I can't do it. They respect right. that more than giving them a false hope. Exactly. And I, and I strongly believe that at the end of the day, the it's like you said, it's okay to say no. And saying no doesn't mean that you are not good at your job, <laughs> right? It doesn't mean that you can't do the job. Mm -hmm. It just means that for this variable, this thing, you're not doing it. Right. right? It's outside of your skill set. I can't do it, but this person here knows how. Let's bring right. in this third party. Exactly. And and that thank you for saying that, because it doesn't mean now that you turn the person away. It just means that you now offer a solution to get to to get to to get the client to where they need to be. Absolutely. Right. You bring somebody in. You have a team member that may be able to do it. I'm like, you know, what? I can't. I don't know, but I have a team member. I'd like to confer with them and bring them in and see what we can do. And then after that, you just find that team member and <laughs> bring them on to your squad. Absolutely. <laughs> And then that's a whole nother conversation on outsourcing, but it's yes. a powerful rule too. It's a powerful asset. So powerful, man. So powerful. I think the thing of us doing everything by ourselves, outsource. <laughs> time is time truly is money. And if you could spend a few extra dollars to outsource something that someone else is doing all day long mm -hmm. that you don't have to do all day long, that frees up time for you to do other things to generate income opportunities for yourself and make your business grow uh outsourcing i think is one of the underutilized things and maybe it's just because people just don't aren't aware of how to or, or where to go or, right. or what outsourcing they really need you know what i mean and and then that goes back into pricing do you set your uh, rates to a level where it can you can afford to outsource 
like outsourcing is part to. of your pricing program, mm -hmm. right? So do you, uh, or are you just looking at your time, your energy, and then that's what it is and you don't have enough money left over to outsource or you have to come out your own pocket to outsource? Mm, that's where it comes down to transparency too. I deal with a lot of clients and there's some yeah. parts of their project where I tell them I don't know how to do it. Look, I don't know how to do this part right here. All I'm going to do is go hire this third party and have them do it. I was like, yeah. you can either give me the funds and then charge me. I'm just going to charge you a fee for bringing this person in and let them do it. Or you yeah. can contact them yourself. Yeah. When you tell them like that directly, they usually give you the extra funds to get the project yeah. done because they don't want to deal with the third party. Thank you. So they, if you're just I, transparent, they're going to be okay with it. And let, let's talk about what that extra fee is, right? Because again, this is the project. You are not just, you are managing the project. <laughs> mm -hmm. So however you have to manage the process to get it done, whether it's a team member that's doing <laughs> it or it's outsourced in some way, shape or form or whatever the process is, you're managing that process and so that they don't have to. They've hired exactly. you to get the project done so that they can, so that your client can go about their day doing the things that they need to do. So again, generate opportunities and increase income and all the other things. And then when they come back to you, the project's done, that's it. And that's no, it. So outsourcing, I think, hands down, is probably the most valuable asset a solopreneur or an entrepreneur, small business owner can can utilize and they just have to make sure from my experience that your pricing structure has to be able to leave room for that and mm -hmm. accommodate that so it doesn't take away from your bottom line and your revenue right and then on that one too is to jump in on it i think just again being transparent not hiding it a lot of people assume because you're outsourcing that you have to hide the fact that you hired this third party oh no when you're working on anything any project you are the project manager and I'm not yes. going to tell you what that is, but look up what it means to be a project manager. Yes. <laughs> and, and outsourcing is part of that. So it if is. I've got, because again, it, it, this has to be done in a timely fashion. This is a resource that can be done through outsourcing. You get it done and that's it. It's part mm -hmm. of the process. <laughs> There's that's one that I do for every single project I work with. Cause again, I do with a lot of web development stuff Yeah, and <laughs> having the clients have a a professional logo done, not just something that they did in Canva, right? Yeah. But having an SVG logo that looks good and matches the color scheme, matches branding. I charge $200 for the logo. And I tell them that, hey, I outsource this to a guy named Sweet Me on Fiverr yeah. because he's a beast at doing logos. That's what he does all day, every day. He yeah. has a team that only does logos. And I was like, yeah, he charges like 150. I'm charging you 200 because I'm going to be communicating back and forth to make yes. sure it meets your skills, make sure it meets your big scheme of what exactly. you want. And people don't have a problem with that. Yeah. You know why that's not a problem as well? Because, and it goes back to your skill sets as a project manager and being it and having the language, you, you do this, you <laughs> help people create logos, right. having the language to be able to speak to this individual regarding the color schemes, the fonts, the different things. You have a layer of technical knowledge mm -hmm. that goes along with that communication that most clients don't have. They don't have it. They don't even know where to begin. <laughs> to say to, if they decide to go to that individual by themselves, I'm sure they'll have to know what font style, what font size, what color, what uh, if they're going to use this light background. mode, dark like, mode. Like, if it's yeah, long, exactly. is it thin? Is it exactly is it animated? Do I need a fab icon to go with it? Thank you. You know what <laughs> I mean? So there's a layer of technical knowledge that that fit, that extra fifty dollars is covering that they don't need to know. If they, exactly. if I, I'm gonna say, if you wish to do it yourself, you can. I say this to clients all the time. You want that I, I write programs, right? Workout programs. 
And I tell them, some of them will approach them like, why can't I get this on YouTube? There's a lot of YouTube videos out there, people learning how to, why can't I get this done on Peloton and do this on Peloton and all the other stuff? I'm like, you could, absolutely could. And, you, and I want you to try it. The issue with that stuff is you don't have someone to communicate with you to tell you when you're doing it wrong in the moment. Mm -hmm. So here you go, learning how to squat, going through the movements of squatting with load, without load, whatever it is, your movement patterns are completely off, but you're doing the exercise anyway. Why? Because you're watching it on the video. You have somebody like me watching you. I can be like, yeah, you're doing a squat, but you're putting the ankle complexes off. That's going to affect your knees. And you're going to eventually where you have knee problems because of how you're squatting. I can adjust that. Let's fix that. Here are some stretches. Here's this. You, you make this happen. You do this thing. And now you can squat properly. Do you see the difference? Oh, great. That's what you're paying for. <laughs> exactly. The knowledge. That's, you what get the knowledge just... That's what you're paying for. That's what you're not going to get on a video. You're paying for the fact that I can look at you, perform a move, and understand what muscles are working, what body structure you is happening, what body movements are happening, what's off, and how to fix it. And I can do that within five to 10 minutes so that you can now squat properly. Meanwhile, you could be doing these workouts every day for, for five, 10 days, squatting incorrectly and you hurting so. yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's always that technology is great, but you do need expertise before you can actually go out there and do that stuff. Absolutely. So for people that are willing, being transparent, like you said before, with the outsourcing process, it's completely, it, it makes you a legit business because you can go and do it. <laughs> you can. You know, or you can have me manage it. <laughs> like, Which is going to work way, out better for you. <laughs> right. It's it, You going and doing it is not going to, is going to extend the time it's going to take for us to get your project done. Me managing the process for you is going to keep us in that time frame so you can get the project done and make it happen according to your guidelines of what you want to accomplish. And have so, a better end result. <laughs> you'll have a better end result. So do you want to spend the extra 50 bucks or do you want to go and do it yourself? Up to you. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and this is why I feel that your clients don't have a problem with it because based on, on us and our conversations, I know you've already expressed this is exactly why it is the way it is. So they have no problem paying the extra 50 bucks, man. Yeah. Just be transparent. There's no yeah. need to hide it. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I think hiding it leads to a level of deception. That's Absolutely. not business. You know what I mean? It yeah, layers. Deception and a lack of integrity. I hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good for business. It layers in a layer of, in, yeah, of distrust for the individual. And it's just, it's never good or healthy for anybody. Mm. Yeah, so good stuff. Good deal, man. <laughs> That's yeah. what's up. Yeah, love that. Love that. Yeah, we hit most of my areas. There's a couple of notes that kind of went in together. I was going to go over recognizing red flags. But that yeah. all falls underneath the pre-qualifying clients. If yeah. Pre-qualified, you're going to see the red flags. If you feel the red flag, just say no. Exactly. Don't wait to get multiple red flags. If you get one, you can like not be a good idea, and then you do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Client. Exactly. It's exactly. going to cost you money. <laughs> yes, it's going to cost you money. And I think understanding what those red flags are is part of the business that that the entrepreneur needs to actually discover on their own right what are their what are their limitations and what do they know they will not tolerate and have an assessment process that can that's geared towards flushing that out as soon as possible 
and red flags not necessarily meaning tone of voice how they speak to you but just the information that you get from your assessment that says yeah this is going to be a challenge i don't know if, if i want to deal with this <laughs> right and, and once you get a red flag it's so the way that i look at it is once i get a red flag um it's not just okay this is a red flag no it's this is a red flag let me ask follow-up questions stay on this a little longer so that i can identify if it truly is something that i need to be concerned about and say no or if they misspoke or if they didn't understand the question or if there was any other variable that was there that could have given me that could have given that, that they answered this in in a specific way so i'm taking the red flag asking follow-up questions to identify if this is truly a issue yeah. i'm not i'm not how do i put it i am not uh, reducing i'm not i gotta put this i'm not overlooking it is the word I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm not trying to say, oh yeah, eh, that's not a good thing, but eh, I'll deal with it. No, that's not <laughs> what this is. <laughs> this is, oh, that's a red flag. Yeah. Let me follow up and figure out if this is valid. A valid yeah, let me concern. verify it. <laughs> let me verify it. Let me verify that this is a valid concern before I say no. That's very different than seeing a red flag, knowing it's a red flag and just overlooking it. That's what you don't want to do. Yeah, Identify that's how it. I started out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, a lot of us do. I did the same thing. I'm like, oh man, this person is definitely going to be an issue. Eh, I'll take care of it. <laughs> I'll deal <laughs> no. with it when it comes. I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah, no. don't do that. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> yeah. they'll, deal, they'll deal with they'll you. They'll deal with you. When you yeah. come. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it turns out. We all have the mindset, oh, I can handle this. Yeah, yeah, and I can. No, you can't. <laughs> no. no, you can't. Trust you can't. They'll handle you when you uh, come around. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. As much exactly. as you want to, you're never gonna be able to handle those situations. It's exactly. outside of your control. Exactly. And you're given these little glimpses of the future, and it's up to you to decide how you're going to handle that future outcome. Are you going to bypass it and not deal with the issue? Or are you going to go head on, headstrong into it? And then these issues happen and it derails your whole process. Well, you'll learn from it though. That's one thing for sure. You will learn. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, and here's the other part, sometimes the best way to learn is to feel, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like touching that hot stove. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to touch that hot stove in order mm -hmm. to understand Yo, that's hot. That burns. But you won't do it again, though. Because uh, <laughs> right now you have two seasoned professionals telling you don't do it, but y'all going to do it. Yeah, y'all going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They gonna do it. Yeah. And then they're going to back and just say, damn, man, why didn't I listen? Because it's in mm -hmm. your nature right now. That's why. <laughs> it is. You're excited. You're eager. You're like, oh, I'm going to start this. I'm going to take this client. It's that first yeah. one. It'll get me going. Yeah. Negative exactly. $400 later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, man. Like, Shouldn't have done I, that. I, I, I see this coming. But you did see this coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did see it coming. Oh, like, man. Yeah, you just ignored it. It's fine. We all, most of us do it in the beginning. I did it. I can't even lie and say I didn't. I won't right. do it again. <laughs> but that, I did. Right. That's the other point of this, right? It's, this isn't something that's anecdotal. It's not something that's, oh, I wonder if. No, we've been through it. You know what I mean? We've done it. We've seen it. We've suffered from it. Mm -hmm. We've lost money. <laughs> we've lost time. We've lost other clients due to it. I can go down the laundry list of making one bad decision to take one client and how this affected my whole entire process. Oh, goodness. 
and how I, I vowed never to do that again and to secure a process to guarantee that will that I'll minimize that level of pain. Because that's what it is. It's a, to, to put it in realistic words, it's painful, right? It's painful to the point where it hurts your brain, it hurts your soul, you become frustrated, the people around you see it, you become aggravated. And it's all because of that one pain point that you mm -hmm. could have avoided and you never did. Yeah, yeah, it makes you want to makes you want to uh, reconsider the path that you've taken for success. It makes you want to reconsider the journey that you're on to be an entrepreneur. And I'm not saying that pain isn't something that you could learn from, but if you can avoid it, why not? Unnecessary pain. There's if you can avoid it, why not? This is zero to do with ego and being strong and being able to handle anything, everything, right? There's more to do with the flexibility you need as an entrepreneur to be able to bend and flow with the ebbs and flows of your business to secure the success of your business. Being too rigid an individual will not help your business grow, right? It, it, you need to be flexible within your thought process and your business in order to bend with the flow and go and do things to make your, your business successful. So just saying, I'm going to stick to it. You can, <laughs> right? But bending a little bit and finding a different path is also sticking to it, right? Mm -hmm. Finding Absolutely. a different way to solve the problem is also sticking to it. Going headstrong, headlong into the brick wall when you could walk <laughs> around the brick wall and get to the other side <laughs> or go over the brick wall or under it, mm -hmm. either way, that's also showing resilience and strength. Absolutely. So it, it, that occurs in very different ways. You have to be flexible to, to see different paths to still achieve your goal. Absolutely. And there's another saying that I use all the time. Slow is fast. You move slow in the beginning, you make less mistakes and you finish your task a lot sooner than making a bunch of mistakes and then playing catch up over and over again. Yes. And this line of work as an entrepreneur, slow is fast. Slow is lightning fast. Yes. Compared to being quick and then redoing it. Yes. You're 100% right. And I'm, I'm going to throw a fitness analogy into this because I train a decent, I, tra I train teenagers as well through physical fitness and various programs. I'm also uh, looking to start this initiative in Trenton uh, to help out with some of the youth in the area, some of the troubled youth in the area and get them back on track through health and exercise and all the rest of it, wellness. So the kids that I train uh, in physical fitness, boxing primarily, they want to punch fast. They want to punch fast. Everything is fast. And I'm like, slow is better. Like, slower is better. But I'm not as fast. I'm like, slower is better. And then when I get into a situation where I'm teaching them how to spar and I'm in the ring, I don't go fast. I literally tap them on their headgear and I'm moving slow. And they're like, how, co how come I'm getting hit? <laughs> I'm like, because I know it. Because for me, what I see moving slower, you're not able to see when you move fast. I'm able to see the big picture. Mm -hmm. I'm able to take a big snapshot of the entire landscape and see where you're going to step, cut you off, how you're going to be there, cut you off, and then strike. before. As you're moving into the, into position, I'm just extending my arm. You're moving into me, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm right moving slower <laughs> than you are, right? Because I'm able to see a lot more. I'm taking my time to see a lot more. Slower is better. I like the slower will help you move fast. Absolutely. Great analogy. Take your time. You will see everything which will enable you to move fast. Absolutely.
<laughs> yeah, good one. Like that one. Good stuff. That's it. That's most of the topics that I, I wanted to hit and cover. Yeah, Just man. Putting out some information to kind of help people who are starting out and avoiding those $5 clients will save you a lot in the long run. Yeah. Um, I think I've lost somewhere between 30 to 40,000 over the last 10 years on $5 clients. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, 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 it is painful. And I'm completely with you on that, on that too. It's, it's just the, the amount of people that can derail your business in an effort to grow your business. Mm -hmm. It's I, I would rather have 10 strong, committed clients that is giving me what I need to help my business grow than a hundred poor clients or bad clients or $5 clients that want the world and just not able to, to commit. It's true. I shut down once for about seven months after dealing with um, a $5 yeah. client because it drained yeah. me emotionally. Yeah. It drained me just psycho psychologically, physically, yeah. everything. Just I was done. I didn't have the energy to move forward. Yeah, it, it does that. That It will do that to you. And I think that I hope that the people that, the message that we're putting out there, the people that need to hear it, if there's anything that they take away from this, besides all of the stuff that we spoke about, is the effect that hiring the bad, a bad client. And I say hiring, right? Because to me, the way that I look at this is I have an, I have a skill set. I am hiring my client in order to take advantage of my skill set. They're paying me. Mm -hmm. So there's a, we have connection. I am helping you. You're helping me. My skill sets are helping you. And believe it or not, as I'm <laughs> individuals, I'm learning and growing as well. That's why I tend to look at it as a vetting process where I've got to be in the right, the person's got to be in the right mindset, the right way of thinking in order for me to help you. Mm -hmm. Because without it, it's just a fight. And I don't want to fight. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going to it. <laughs> yeah. So hiring the right client is a skill and a process that needs to be mastered early to save you so much heartache and headache in the future. Oh, yes. Things that you put out now are ways where people and entrepreneurs can manage that process and start off early, understanding what it is so that they don't have to make those mistakes later. Yeah, um, it, it can be the, this, the point that either allows your career to grow, your business to grow, or causes it to completely shut down. Yeah, yeah. Because think about what you just said in terms of growth. And, and I've been using this. What, once you invested time and effort in understanding what this process is, and now you have a team of people that you are, you're expanding your business, you're growing, you're now scaling upward. Everything starts with your process, how you started your business. If you started your business in a healthy way where you can find the right clients, vet the right clients, and make sure that you get the right clients, those skill sets get passed down to every individual below you, right? So they won't make those mistakes and they'll help the business grow. If you start off with a process where it's just not locked in, the mistakes that you've made will transfer down to those people and those individuals. That stops your growth and, stif and, and stops you from moving upward and scaling scaling upwards towards bigger and better things, right? Absolutely. So 
as a, you as the figurehead, the boss, the leader, the founder of your business. Scalability is one of those things that we could touch on in a later conversation. Oh but, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> but but <laughs> that, you are the head in charge. You have to be the one to transfer those skill sets down to your individuals. It may not be something that people are thinking about at the moment, but put into put a feather in your cap, put down on your vision board or whatever you have to write down. Scalability, being able to scale your business is something that is is it should be a topic should be something that should be discussed absolutely i'm adding that to my notes because that's super important and the vision board too you can't see it but if you look over to my right you see a giant board with a huge checklist of things i need to accomplish every month dude that's me <laughs> on a regular basis i've got my lighting system set up i've got my monitor here i've got a bunch of different monitors and <laughs> like around and whatnot and then right to my right <laughs> is a long so you know how you had the whiteboard that's like this it's turned like this the long way oh, okay that's what's up <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's turned in, in more of the um the portrait mode way and it's on a stand it's on a rolling stand and it's got all my yeah so i can move it around from different places sometimes i put my lighting in different areas and i need right. to put my, my board in a different place so it's on a rolling stand that just Sometimes I'll move it over to this side where I can see it. Like it's all over the place. Mm, I just attached it to this wall right there, but it's right here off of my, my monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to move around a lot in mine. So I had it, I was going to put it on my far right wall. Um, see there, but I needed to have it in eyesight of everything eventually when I'm doing, when I'm doing stuff and training clients. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. why I moved it. Yeah, different but setups. <laughs> but you do, you need yeah. that vision board. You need it. Yeah, it's a constant reminder to do something. And I've got, I've got these, let me see, I grab one right now. I you can see it, but it's magnetic, right? So there's these little green and yellow, like I call them buttons. And I have them, the yellow ones mean that I still have to accomplish if, it's, if there's nothing next to it, I have to still accomplish that goal. If it's green, it's me, it means it's done. And I can replace that task with another task. And then if there's nothing next to it, it's something I still have to do. If it's okay. yellow, if it's yellow, I'm still working on it. If there's no button next to it. It's something I need to need to do. If it's green, it's done. I can erase it and go on to the next. That's what's up. That's yeah. bad. I just yeah. got checks next to mine, but I got to enhance mine a little bit, but it's working right now. Yeah, yeah. Work as as long as the, the, everyone has a different process. As long as you have one, that's all you need, bro. And I've Absolutely. been using, I've been using a system similar to this ever since I've been in in the in, in the fitness industry. Actually, the system that I created a system when I was a fitness manager for New York sports clubs that they incorporated for the district that was based on the concept of the vision board. It was a vision board for every one of my personal trainers. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and it had it had their name, where they are with their sessions trained a month, how many sessions they wanted to train a month, what they did so far, and like a bunch of different variables. And they'd come into my office. They literally had an open door policy, so they'd come into my office, look at the board, nod their head. You know what you need to do, right? Yeah. And then they'd walk right out, and that Easy. was it. <laughs> Easy. Like it was a vision board for the trainers. And they they acquired a ton of success doing that. And it was it is great working with those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> That's good stuff. I like that. Yeah, so vision board is clutch. 
and you can call it whatever you want. I call it a vision board. It could be That's a task it. board. It, can call, it could be a to-do list. <laughs> it could be whatever you want. I, I like vision board because it literally has set me up for success. Absolutely, yeah. I have this one here, which is a lot of personal stuff and then some minor project things. But inside of my CRM, I have one that's there too, but it's a virtual one, of course, and that's a task list of everything I need to accomplish for every project. Yeah. So I yeah. have my physical and then I have my virtual. Yes, I too. I My my virtual is is all on my notes. Uh, that's on a lot my, of people use notes. Yeah, on my notes app. And that notes app it is my vision board, <laughs> right? It's like tasks and things that I need to accomplish by the end of the day to make it happen. I, I utilize my calendar the same way, right? I, anything I, if it's not on my calendar, it's not getting done. Yep. <laughs> it's not on my calendar, it's not getting done. So yeah, you, you have to put it on your calendar. I, early Absolutely. I started doing that. I schedule, it, it may seem a little obsessive or whatever, but I schedule all meetings, outings, meals, like workouts, like everything is placed on a schedule and on an alarm. And some people may think that's a lot, but when you are, when you're driven and you have a system in place, nothing is left to chance, right? Mm -hmm. So we only have, but so much time. One of the key failures to business is time management. So managing your time as efficiently as as effectively as possible not leaving any minute or any hour unaccounted for where there's a task that needs to be done you do mm -hmm. that now early you're going to hit your goal and do it and achieve oh, what you need to achieve so fast. astronomically fast astronomically fast i can attest to that my wife hates my phone because my alarms be going off all day <laughs> yeah dude you and me both <laughs> You and me both. Like I've got timers. I've got I've got like timers here. I've got like throughout. And hell yeah, use your alarm. Whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. But I never miss anything, so I'm good. Even this right. call we had today, I had two alarms set. I yeah. had my 13:45 alarm that says, "Hey, get ready. Make sure the computer's running." And then I yep. had my five minutes prior check to make sure the sounds and mics is good to go before you launch. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you need to do. And, and that's that those those are valuable skill sets. And I hope that people are listening understand what this is, right? This is we're talking about time management, right? On uh, not really going over the we're talking about time management. Manage your time better, you'll achieve more within the, the same amount of time. There's so many things, bro. So many things. I, I work. Yeah. So many things. Oh, heck yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to go over. This is just the beginning. This is one little snippet of this whole. I got to send you the list of everything I'll be going over for this next yeah. year. <laughs> but I'm doing these two to three times a week. And yeah. I have about 46 different topics. And they cite each topic or chapter. There's more layers to it. Yeah. Right. So like for this one, it was one talking about the $5 client, but there's nine different topics inside of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be massive. I'm going to have a whole knowledge base built up by the time everything's said and done. Dude, that's astronomical. That's so good. One of the things I have on my calendar, I'll share it with you. It's a concept of the of the three of the basically working three days in one day. And the concept is you break your day up into six hour blocks. So for me on my calendar, it, it's I forgot where I got this concept from, but I'll, I'll try to find it. So for me on my calendar, my day 
starts off at five o'clock in the morning. I get up at five, right? I start, I take a look at my emails, do what I need to do, get ready. The first client is generally around 5.30 a.m., 5.45, 6 o'clock. So my day starts at 6 o'clock. Day one starts 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. That's day one, right? Day two, within the same day, starts from 12 noon to 6 p.m. So whatever I have to do in that block of time, that six-hour block of time, that to me is my second day, right? Day three is from 6 to 12 a.m., right? Now you're talking about, like, when do you go to sleep? Go to sleep from 12 to 6, <laughs> right? I, I, and, and, and I tend to start to wrap up and get ready for bed at about 10 o'clock when I'm wrapping up emails and doing all the other stuff, right? So I tend to separate my day into three different blocks of time. And once I've done what I need to do in the morning, I don't go back to it until the very next day, unless it's an emergency. But I've gotten that done. Now I've got another block that I've got to do in this time, then another block that I've got. It's such a great concept. I'll share it with you, but it does keep everything like on point. Helps me to achieve a lot. It does. Helps me to achieve a lot. Yeah, we spoke about it. I actually have it in my notes here. We spoke about it before. Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. We yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good stuff, man. Good stuff, good stuff. I'm happy about that because I, ever since I started to adopt that, I I don't feel like I am um, spinning my wheels and, and doing duplicate activities over and over again. But right? I used to feel that way. I used to feel like, damn, I just did this in the morning. Why am I doing this again right now in the afternoon? Oh, I didn't finish this in the afternoon. Damn, why am I doing it again in the evening? Like, it's time consuming. It is. Yeah, the task that I need to get done in the morning, I got it done in the morning, that's it. I don't have to revisit it. If I didn't get it done, I put it on my checklist or my board, okay, I have to get this done. This is on my yellow checklist. I, and time can, time being what it is, I can get back to it in the morning, right? Because I've got other things to do. It's unbelievable, such a success. Yeah, it, it helps. After we talked about it, I started applying a lot of it. And my day is almost the same as yours. I start my day at 5.30. That's when I get up and start running through things. Yeah. <laughs> And then I usually talk to my son at about 10 o'clock in the morning when he's up doing his stuff. He's like, hey, yeah. what did you do this morning? How's it going? I was like, I woke up, I did my jogging, I finished client A's project. I sent about two emails. I've finished a couple contracts. You know, I sent out the rest of the emails from yesterday. And then I finished the end of our last project and I wrote my terms and conditions of a project for a client A, B, and C. And it's like, yeah. what did you do? He's like, I made coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so think about that. From five thirty to ten o'clock, you got mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, almost five hours, right? Yeah. Done. If somebody was working, right, from a nine to five, mm -hmm. that's like most of their day done already, right? You Pretty factor much. in hour of lunch, which will bring you up to another like six hours messing around and stuff like that for another two hours or whatever. You've mm -hmm. literally done about what most people would do in a day from five o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, to 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like, you accomplish the whole business day right there. You accomplish <laughs> the whole day from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., bro. Like, why not? Hell exactly. Yeah. You get done, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, and now you've got the rest of the day to complete and do different things and, and accomplish things you need to get accomplished. Mm -hmm. I knock a lot of stuff out. I go pretty much, my days are pretty much six or six and a half day weeks. Every other yeah. Saturday, I, I'm completely unavailable. That's family day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, exactly. Yeah, you know, the rest of the I, time, I'm grinding. Yep, a hundred percent in your corner on that one. A hundred percent. Gotta, there's gotta be a balance, right? Where you manage to 
do things with your family. I know we've talked about this in detail. I'm doing this for my family so that I can retire soon and just... Three years, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, there you go. live on the beach and really achieve those things that I want to achieve, which is spend more quality time with my family. That's oh. it. That brings me into my last little tidbit, which is super yeah. important and it's happening so much now, mainly with the younger generation, but it could be any generation because we have some entrepreneurs who are teenagers who are younger, middle age, which I consider 30 to 50, and then yeah. middle age, which is like 50 through 65, right? Still yeah. entrepreneurs. The average lifespan is like 100 years now. So 50s yeah. is still very young. That's middle age. Yeah. True. Right now, there's some kid in high school, 16 years old, who is on CodeCanyon.net right now purchasing a script for about 200 bucks. He's gonna put this script on a server. He's gonna figure out how it works. He's gonna take the whole year to make it perfect. And he's gonna build social media accounts for this new script that he's purchased and then created and made his own. After yep. one year of advertising and pushing it on social media and branding it, he's gonna be a millionaire before he turns 18. Yep. I just saw this with, I have to show you the notes, but this company purchased a script similar to the one that my son just purchased. It's yeah. been there for about nine months now, and they have 3,800 active clients. Wow. And each one of them pays $197 per year for their wow. annual fee, plus their monthly fee. This company in the last nine months has generated $738,000 off of a script that they paid $200 for. Yes. <laughs> yes. If I'm not mistaken, and I think... They may need to, this may need to be vetted, but I believe that Microsoft, Bill Gates did something similar with, with Microsoft. Like he purchased, he purchased a code of some kind, tweaked it a little bit because he's still a coder, right? Mm -hmm. Still writes stuff, tweaked it a little bit. And then that was the beginning, beginnings of Microsoft. It's done across the country, across the globe. There are resources out there to make it happen. You and I have talked like ad nauseum about all of this stuff. And I really do feel that it's the way to go and building it now, setting it up and just pushing traffic to it. It's the clutch, clutch. It's an, it's, I call it a, an investment, right? A time investment where if you could take, if you could take a hundred dollars and from the time that you were one years old, threw it into a savings account and just watch it compound daily, right? Monthly, yearly. By the time you're, say, 21, you probably have, I don't know, a, like a lot of money in that account. Super. You take that same concept of, of, of compound interest um, from the financial institutions and from the financial uh, district, and you apply that to the same thing you're talking about. Like you spend $200 on a program, you do what you need to do to build it out. And then over time, every month, every year, whatever it is, over time, it grows to be where it is where you could make a million dollars, like three quarters of a million dollars in like how many, ever many months. Would you consider that a good investment? I would. That's a great investment. You know what I mean? Would you consider that a It took three years. This, now right. that you hit that plateau, it's only going to keep growing. Would you consider that a time well spent? I would. Would you consider that a, a an investment that is worth it? Hell yeah. I think what separates those people is knowledge, know-how, and, and technology, and the ability to take the risks. And exactly. I wish I would have started it sooner. The only reason I didn't was, as I spoke about in my previous episode, was an irrational or unnecessary fear of failure. Yeah, yeah. By and not beginning, I, you already failed. 
Right. And but here's the piece that I think here's where I here's what I think about now. You have kids, I have kids. My kids are already more successful than I was at their age. And I think that I'm talking to the older generation that may be listening to this right now that have kids. My kids are my legacy. So I've gone through all, just like how we're talking about this now, going through the pains so that we can help entrepreneurs not make these mistakes, to see the growth of our kids to the place where they are more successful now. And all we gotta do is just keep giving them that knowledge. By the time they do get to where we are, they're gonna be hugely successful, right? And so I think that investing in the future, understanding that we're not out of time because our younger gen the younger generation is who we are leaving behind to keep the struggle going, to keep moving forward. It's a plus, man. I really do think so. It is. This generation is way different. My 11-year-old daughter uses CapCut to edit videos. She's 11. She's making money every month. She already has like $8,000 in her savings account. Yeah. At, at 11. And using CapCut. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I'm still trying to figure that piece out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what she's doing, but she's, I don't understand it, but she enjoys it and her friends enjoy it. And she's generating income at an early age. Yes. When she turns and, 12, and, she'll be able to legally have her own business. Yes. And I think I was reading something about a kid whose parents had affluent parents, but the kid was like 11, 12 years old, I think maybe 12 years old, mm -hmm. uh, worth $26 million based on the social media stuff that they're putting out. So I'm sitting here saying, damn, at 12. Now this is not a, it's not a one-off because if you have some 12 year old kid making 12, 26 million, then you've got every variable and degree under that with mm -hmm. kids that are 12 years old making $100, making $2,000, making $5,000 and they're 12 <laughs> from social media, right? Yeah, it's different. So, so yeah, you've got the 1% making 26, but you got every other variable underneath that that's making some money at an early Absolutely. age that will then be able to translate that into more money by the time they are 18, 21, 25, all of the benchmark ages, if they keep it up. Absolutely. And when we were that, that age, we had to go cut grass to try and get a hundred bucks. <laughs> I was working at a hardware store at 12 years old, delivering groceries and packages and Christmas trees and stuff like that, working off of tips. Right. I'd be lucky near next to nothing. Yeah, I'd be lucky if I got like $200, like at the end of the, the month, <laughs> you got kids doing this, using technology to do, and that is where I think, it, you hear a lot about this talk about AI this and AI that, it's a tool that we created, you use the tool to achieve your goal. That's it, point blank period, end of story. It's, it's, yeah, we need to be concerned, but not concerned to the point where you don't understand the tools so you can use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Get it done. <laughs> are you looking for the, are you looking for the excuse or are you looking for the answer? Get it done. Right. Generational <laughs> shift. Adjust, yeah. adapt, overcome. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It. Get it done. <laughs> That's good shit. That's it, bro. Good stuff. All right. We're about to tie it up here. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize we hit the two hour mark. <laughs> oh wow. That's good though. Great conversation. It didn't even feel like that. Right, didn't at all for like 15 minutes but yeah we yeah. were just about to clear two hours <laughs> yeah man that's good man that's good that's a lot of hopefully a lot of messages that's, that we can that you can put together and get it out to the people because i think this is definitely a good service that you're providing and it's needed oh absolutely yeah it's gonna it's gonna hopefully grow and continue just starting out with this again i'm behind the curve when getting on social media 
actually starting podcasts and doing a lot of this stuff because yeah. as I talked about previously, I had an unnatural or unrealistic or unnecessary fear of failure. So yeah. I was already failing because I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And it sucks because I know myself and people who know me, I have the knowledge, I have the skill set, and I have the ability because I help other people do this stuff all the time successfully. Yeah. So why am I not doing it for myself? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm 100% with you, man. 100% with you. I think it's going to be, it's definitely going to grow. Absolutely. And then you learn from it and then grow again. Scaling is key. Absolutely. So if you guys are having the same issues or the same problems that I was having, don't let fear stop you. Your, your dreams aren't going to chase you. <laughs> you got to go chase your dreams, right? That's it, That's <laughs> it man. Cool. Good note right there. Absolutely. So again, I want to thank you, Sean, for spending this time with me. It's a little bit longer than I expected, but I super appreciate it. It's all good, man. I, I love spending time and chatting with you, man, about this stuff. It's it's a highlight to my day, so it's good. Uh, that's what's up. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. We'll keep it going. So for those yeah. of you who are still listening, two hours in, this is Monami Team's Digital Dollars Podcast, and we'll be uploading every week. Make sure you hit the follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Stay tuned.